13, verses 15 and 16. Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. And then we'll be turning to the book of Romans, chapter 12, and we'll start looking there at verse 10. Obviously, you already know it's Thanksgiving. This is a sermon on being a thankful person. And uh, there's something that irritates me, and there's lots of things that irritate me. And, uh, but one of them is, I don't know when this started, it started a few years ago. Everything is 24-7. You know, uh, I'm there for you 24-7. Uh, you know, everything's 24-7. It, it irritates me. Why don't you say I'm always there? Unfortunately, I used that for a sermon title this morning because the biblical concept is that we are to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise 24-7. Now, how stupid is that? Nobody praises the Lord when they've got their eyes shut and they're sleeping. Maybe you have a dream where you... Anybody ever have a dream where they praise the Lord? I never did. I've had nightmares already, but I've never... So, you know what? It's a stupid sermon title, but guess what? I used it anyway, I guess to irritate myself. But the point is, we tend to be like a yo-yo. Things are great. We praise the Lord. I, I, I appreciate your songs, uh, Will, because a lot of them said, hey, praise the Lord when it's tough. Praise the Lord in the desert. Because that's the truth. Anybody can be a thankful person when everything's great. But I'll tell you what, sometimes it's actually harder to praise the Lord when everything's great. You know why? Because we think we deserve it. There is nothing that irritates me more than the 24, except for the 24-7 thing, is people have an attitude today, I'm a victim, and I'm entitled. You ever notice that? Ooh, is that irritating. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard. I'm a victim, poor me, pity me. Oh, by the way, I'm entitled for this. That is not a thankful person. I'm going to tell you, those are people that are angry. Those are people that are frustrated. They're the people that frustrate you, and they're the people that just kind of make life miserable. I hope that by the time you're done here, if you came in with that attitude, you leave with a very, very different attitude. Because God is clear, and He doesn't mince words about it. He wants us to be continuous in our praise. So let's look at the passage, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. That's sort of like the introduction, and then we'll go into, so how do you put this into practice? <clears throat> it says in verse 15 that it's through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Now, it starts out with telling us something very clear. That if you're going to give thanks, it is, there is only one real reason you can give thanks. And that is because of Jesus Christ. We've already sung that also. If you're going to give thanks, it ultimately comes that it's from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Peter read that earlier. We need to get that in our head. You have nothing. Sorry. Sorry about your ego. But you have nothing. You have nothing to offer. He gave it all from your life to your life in Christ. To the food, to the air, to whatever you have, it comes from Him. 
So let's get that straight. If you think it came from you, you'll never be a thankful person. Because guess what you will be? Self-centered and selfish. You cannot be self-centered and selfish and still be thankful at the same time. Because guess what? You will think that if something bad happens, you're a victim and you're entitled. Just won't work. So if you're going to be a thankful person, you need to have a mindset. Set your things on, set your mind on things above. That's what we need to do. And then he says, uh, through him, then let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise. When it says continually, it's saying this is an ongoing thing. That you are doing something that doesn't take a break. It's not like, well, today I feel like that. But somebody said something mean to me, so I'm not going to be a thankful person today. I'm going to sulk. I'm going to pity myself. No, it is a continuous thing. The most important thing you can do when you wake up in the morning, you're saying is to say, I am going to choose, Will said it, I'm going to choose to be that kind of person. I'm going to continually praise the Lord. And if you're going to praise the Lord, the end of this passage says, and you're going to reach out and help other people also. But it says that you're going to offer up a sacrifice. A sacrifice is not something that you do. By the way, when you go to work on Monday morning, you are not sacrificing your time and resources. I don't care what you think. You're not doing that. Because when you go to work Monday morning, you're expecting a paycheck on Friday. You are exchanging something. Your time and resources, your expertise, whatever it is, for a paycheck. For a reward on that. That's not a sacrifice. That's your job. You're just, as I said, exchanging. A sacrifice, on the other hand, is something that is totally given over for the use of someone else. This book, Hebrews, is a commentary on the Old Testament. This concept brings to mind a whole burnt offering. If you don't know about the Old Testament offerings, there were various ones. But a whole burnt offering is precisely this. Every part of the sacrificed animal was consumed on the altar. You didn't get any of it. The priest didn't get any of it. It was slain, put on the altar, and completely incinerated. The only person that benefited is God. It was a, as King James says, a smooth... sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. Wow, I can't believe I did that. But anyway, it was all for God. That's what a sacrifice is. If you're sacrificing, it means that you're taking your time, resources, money, whatever it happens to be, and using it for someone else's good, expecting absolutely no return. I'm not going to tell you that return never comes. But if you do it expecting a return, it's no longer a sacrifice. You have an expectation of a return. So when it says here that we are to offer a sacrifice to praise the Lord, it may cost you a lot. Some of you right now sitting here 
you feel like this is a sacrifice because you don't really want to be here, but you know you should be. And you know that God deserves your honor. You came anyway. That might be a sacrifice. I hope you get something out of this. I hope you go home a different person. I hope you go home a person that is praising the Lord. And the word praise here is interesting because it is a word that means to tell a story. If you go to a funeral, many times we give opportunities for people to do, sometimes they call it a eulogy, sometimes I just call it a testimony. And, and people will stand up or come up in front of the, the audience and they will say, so-and-so, the person that we're commemorating their death, uh, this person had a huge impact in my life. And they taught me this, or they were with me through some really tough times. And they tell a story about the person of how they benefited their life. When we praise God, we are telling a story about how God has met our needs. How God has acted in our lives. How we have benefited from what God has done. The truth is, everything we have comes from Him. And we tell that story. It is not... Uh, that we need to do it, we choose to do it. Some of those stories are not easy. Tonight, I pray that all of you come tonight. It is one, it's right among the top two or three services that we have at Garden Chapel. Because tonight, you're not going to hear me preach. We'll sing a few songs. Joe will lead us in a few songs that are appropriate for thanks and praise and those types of things. We'll read a scripture or two. And then the rest of the time will be people standing up and just saying, this is how God has worked in my life this year, and I am so thankful that God has worked. Now, in reality, it's to God. God, thank you so much for working in my life. But there is a part to this when you tell a story that others also hear that story. I go out of here every Thanksgiving when we have this service going, wow. God is good. Because I heard what in that person's life and that person's life and how that person came through some really tough times and that person there uh, was blessed beyond all measure. And I go home and it's like, wow, God is really working. Because we hear the story of what God has done. That's the word praise. It's a thank offering. A thank offering in the Old Testament is not an offering that's a whole burnt offering. It's not a sin offering. It's not a guilt offering. But it's an offering that is given simply because my heart is overflowing. There are no requirements on thank offerings. I come and bring a sacrifice simply because I love the Lord. I want to praise Him. I want everyone God first, and everyone else to know that I appreciate what God has done in my life. And so when we tell that story, it may be hard, but we tell that story because we know the person who is receiving it is the one that deserves it. And then it goes on to say that this offering, this first one, it says, is the fruit of lips that give thanks. You know what fruit is. It is what grows on a tree. Fruit is not instantaneous. Fruit 
it blooms, and then it grows, and then it's green, and then it ripens, and finally, it is just perfect for eating. It's sweet, it's juicy. It's something that is produced. It has a process. This whole thing of becoming a thankful person is not, okay, I'm going to be a thankful person. I'll guarantee you before tomorrow is over, you'll go, why did I ever say that? But it's something that you will work on. And the truth of the matter is, you'll work on it the rest of your life. Because if you think you're a thankful person today, next week you ought to be even a more thankful person because you've learned to love the Lord more. You've seen what God has done even in a greater way than ever before. It's a process that lands up with us ultimately being the most thankful person that we possibly can be. But it says it's the fruit of our lips that give thanks. The word thanks here is a word that we normally see translated very differently. And you're going to go, how in the world can you do both of these? Normally this word here, it's homologos. Some of you might know that from Greek. It's the word that is normally Translated as confess. It literally means homo, same, and logos, say something. It means to say the same thing. When you confess something, for example, sin to God. When you confess your sin to God, you are now saying the same thing about that sin that God says about it. It is wrong. It's sinful. It's repulsive. It's horrible. You're agreeing with God. You're admitting that God was right. Well, here it's used as thankfulness, as professing. I am saying, God, you're a great God. It's not confessing sin in this case. God, you are a great God. I've always known that. You're powerful. You know everything. You're a loving God. You're a kind God. You're a generous and gracious God. God, You are all of these things. You see, when you're giving thanks, you are telling God what what is already true, but you're admitting it, acknowledging it. You're saying the same thing that God already knows is true of Himself. But He wants me, oh, and you, to acknowledge it. That's what we're talking about. So when we're thankful people, we are telling God who He is, and what we understand about Him. The second part starts in verse 16. And, notice it's connected together, and do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. It is not just okay to say praise the Lord. I have, um, I've, I've worked on this for about the fa- past five years. Seriously, before that, I never did this. But in the past five years, I have begun to use, and, and I've heard people do this where it almost became irritating, is every sentence they would praise the Lord in, or between every sentence they say praise the Lord, and after a while, it's, it's mind-numbing. It's almost like the guys, when I used to work construction, they, they, they seem to think that they had to put at least two four-letter words in every sentence if they're going to be heard. It drives you crazy. Well, I've heard Christians do the same thing, and after a while you go, okay, just 
give me a normal conversation. But I have made it a, a, a choice in my life, whether it's talking to somebody here or in my office or at the tractor pole or with my neighbors. If somebody says something that's good, and uh, I'm like, well, that's from God. I'll just say, praise the Lord. I don't do it every other sentence. But I want to make sure that people know, and I'm not doing it for a show, that people know that I believe that came from God. That's something good, and it came from God, and I want to praise Him, and I want them to know that. I want that to be a part of my life, that I don't think that life starts and ends with me, or starts and ends with just that thing that happened that was real nice. I want them to know that God is a great God, and I want to praise Him. But it's not okay just to say the words. Because the second part of this, verse 16, says, if you're going to be a grateful, thankful person continuously, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be doing good. Everyone around you is going to see that you believe that God is a great God and you're going to act in a thankful way. And then when you act in a thankful way, you are going to accomplish things in other people's lives. And so if you say you're a thankful person and you're thanking God, then you better be helping your neighbor. You better go out of your way to love and show concern and care for other people. Doing good, accomplishing things in other people's lives. You see, most people, the only God they ever see and the only Bible they ever read is you. You claim to praise God, you say, praise the Lord. And then you turn around and treat your neighbor badly. Uh, just stop doing it, please. Because you're a hypocrite. That's what this is getting at. It's like, no, no, if you're going to praise God, don't neglect praising Him. Fruit of your lips. But also, don't neglect. And the word neglect there is not just, oh, well, it's a good idea. It's actually a command in, in, in the language. It's a command. It says, no, you are to not neglect. It's something that God commands us to do, and he commands us to do it on a regular, ongoing, consistent basis. The same as offering it up continuously, we are to work it out continuously. So, if I think that life begins and ends with me, I'm a victim and I'm entitled you're not going to act that way. It's going to be all about me. But this is saying, if you're a thankful, grateful person, it's about God and it's about other people. That's the bottom line. And it says, and sharing. The word sharing here is an interesting word also. We say it all the time. Why do we come to church? We come to church to worship God, to study the Bible, and to fellowship with other Christians. The word fellowship is the word here. It means to have something in common, to participate together, to uh, be in common with another person. And so if another person has a need, you share that, you partner in that. You have that in common. Oh, it's not your burden. It's not your problem. But you go out of your way to make it your problem. You're sharing in the burden. That's the fellowship. You see, if you're a thankful person, you're going to know that God has absolutely blessed you. And you're going to say that. And you're going to say it to others and you're going to say it to God. But you're also going to act that way. 
And so you're going to take what God has given you and say, God didn't give it to me to be selfish or self-centered about this. It's not about me. I'm going to turn around and give it to other people. I'm going to reach out to other people. And notice what God says as a result of that. For with such sacrifices, now it's plural. First it was sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips. Now it's two. With what we say and with what we do, it says God is pleased. That's acceptable to him. That is what he approves. It pleases God. Isn't that the bottom line? We want to worship him. We want to honor him. We want to do what is right by him. Here's two, here are two verses that make it clear a good place to start. Now, that was my introduction to the sermon. Sorry about that. And I now have six minutes left, seven minutes left. Let's look at the rest of it. Because, sorry about that. But you know what? If you're the kind of person that's never satisfied with anything, you'll never be a thankful person. If you're a person who always wants more, you'll never be a thankful person. If you always feel sorry for yourself, you'll never be a thankful person. If you're always jealous of other people, you'll never be a thankful person. If everybody has it better than you, you'll never be a thankful person. Because Romans chapter 12 verse 10 uses two words that you may or may not recognize, but we'll look at them very quickly. And Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Those are the only two we're going to get at this morning. But the word below, devoted and the word brotherly love, you're going to understand, and you've heard them probably before, but the word brotherly love is the word that you know. It's about two hours from here. It's Philadelphia. Philadelphia simply means the city of brotherly love. It's two Greek words put together. Philos and Delphia. Delphia means brother. Philos is the reciprocal love, the like, the affection type love in the Bible. It's a reciprocal love. But the word devoted is a little bit more vague. It's a good, good word to, to uh, translate it by, but it doesn't give across the full blast of what it's saying. It says, be devoted to one another. How do you devote? Well, the word is two words. It's phila, the same word as in Philadelphia, and stergos. Stergos is family affection, family ties. The way we say it in our culture is blood is thicker than water. I'm there for family. I protect family. I provide for family. I do what needs to be done to take care of my family. The Greeks actually used it of the way a wild animal or even a, a domesticated animal will defend its young. They used it that way. In other words, I defend my family. I love my kin. It's kinship love. When you put the two together, it is simply saying, I'm looking out for the other person. In this case, I'm specifically devoted to these people like I'm devoted to my family. Now, if you're not devoted to your family, this isn't going to make much sense to you. But if you go, yeah, our family sticks together and we help each other. 
then you're going to begin to understand what it's telling us to do with others also. How many of you know what a killdeer is? Oh, a few of you do. I used to see them all the time when I was a kid growing up on the farm. You know what they're famous for, right? What are they famous for? They go around like this, and you think that this is a, a, an injured bird. The last one I saw, I, I, can't, I don't know what happened to them all, but right straight out here on the driveway that goes behind the church, about 15 years ago, there was a nest in the middle of the driveway. Dumb place to put a nest. But a killdeer does not build a normal nest. It doesn't put it up in a nest in a tree out of danger. It doesn't put it in a hole in a tree. It doesn't put it in some protected space like a, like a, a cliff swallow would. Anything like it. Puts the nest in a little tiny dent in the ground. The eggs look like stones. They're hard to see. But I'll tell you what. You get close to that nest, whether there's chicks in it or just eggs, all of a sudden, you hear this racket. It kind of sounds a little like killdeer. I guess that's where they got the, the, the name from. But you see this bird going around, going around in circles, and the circles keep going. Sorry, that was pretty bad, lame. But anyway, uh, it keeps going further and further away, making all kinds of racket. Because whether it's a predator or you, that bird wants to draw its attention to it. And it keeps getting further and further away, further and away. And if you think that you're going to go over and help an injured bird if you don't know what they do, you're not even going to get close. Because by that time, it's got you way far away from the nest. And it flies off and you'll never catch it. It's interesting because these are, uh, their chicks are actually hatched. They can even run because they, they're not helpless they can actually run within hours of when they're hatched. They can't fly because they need the protection of that mother. And that mother, God put in that lame wing defense. That's this kind of love. The mother bird puts its life on the line for the eggs or the chicks. It says, you want to be a thankful person? That's what you do. You put your life on the line. You put your money on the line. You put your time on your line. Your resources, your whatever it is, you put it on the line for somebody else. You sacrifice yourself. The second word is brotherly love. I have two brothers. Brothers don't always love each other. I can tell you that. But you don't pick on brothers because you get two for the price of one when that happens. That's this kind of a idea. I'll end with a story. And this is a tr actually a true story. I will make it very quick, quick. 15 years ago or more, I couldn't sleep one night. I went downstairs, turned on the TV, and I saw a movie. And I just saw the beginning of the movie. And I saw a John Deere garden tractor. Now, how many movies have a John Deere garden tractor? I looked at that, and it caught my attention, so I left it there. It was called The Straight Story. Alvin Strait, it's a real story, real guy, real, real incident. This guy was 73 years old. His brother, who was 80 years old, had suffered a stroke. They had been tight as brothers when they were younger. Ten years earlier, Alvin had gotten into alcohol, and he had offended his brother. They got mad at each other, and for ten years, they had not spoken. This is all real story. You can look it up. And if you ever see the movie, I think it's worth watching. I, I don't think there's any curse words or anything like that in there. I believe he does drink a beer in the thing or something in one place. It's been a while since I've seen it. 
But the point is this. It's a real story. A guy 73 years old. Now, the guy's eyes are so bad that he can't get a driver's license, and he doesn't trust public transportation. So you know where this all goes. He's a John Deere garden tractor. He hooks a 10-foot trailer behind it, put, packs it with, de, uh, with uh, fuel for the tractor and food and a place to sleep and all that, and he goes 207, from Iowa to Wisconsin, 240 miles. It took him six weeks to get to his brother's house. His brother lived out in the middle of nowhere. And along the line, and it was, it's true, uh, he had breakdowns and people helped him out. Um, he had storms that he had to weather and all that. At five mile an hour, man, you, you don't get very far. And that's, that's about what he averaged. The point is, at 73, he said, you know what? My brother is important. I need to see my brother. You have to understand, he did not know if his brother had a stroke and he was in bad shape. He didn't know if his brother would still be alive when he got there. He didn't know if his brother would say, you know what? You did me in, I'm never talking to you, and slammed the door in his face. Do you know what he did? And this is, what I'm, this is why I'm challenging with this story to end. It's because if you're a grateful, thankful person, you're going to do what you know is right. What is going to honor God is going to bring praise to God and do good to others regardless of what else happens. I can tell you the end of the story. I'm sorry to ruin it, but uh, I've never seen it but that once. Um, it, it, I guess it was never very popular. But the point is, his brother did accept him. But you know what? You go... Wow, that's a weird story. You'd probably get arrested if you did that today. By the way, he did stay on back roads. He did not go on the highway. But the, the point is, he went out of his way. Because, you know what? If you're an unforgiving person, if you're not doing good, if you're not reaching out and fellowshipping, trying to reach out and partner and have in common with other people, you'll never be a thankful person. You'll never be really grateful. But we need to do that. I don't, know what you, I don't know what you were thinking when you came in today. But here's what I want you to think when you leave. This is what God wants you to think. He deserves my praise, and at every opportunity, I need to use my lips and produce praise to my God. Amen? Yeah. And if that's true of me, then I'm going to use my hands, my feet, my mouth, whatever God has given me to do good for other people. I'm going to take their problems, their burdens, and make them mine. It may just be praying with somebody. Maybe just get a phone call. I don't know what it's going to be. You, you may know somebody right now, and you go, I think I'm a thankful person, but you're acting like Scrooge? Forget it. If you're going to be a thankful person, it's, you're going to say it, and you're going to do it. There is no better way to live. You want a life that's worth living? Here it is, all wrapped up in one sermon. Let's all stand together as we close. Father, I know this is a challenge to me because I don't always think this way. I know better. I know what I should do, but I don't always do it. Lord, I pray that you would convict me tomorrow, this afternoon, wherever it is, that I need to be a grateful, thankful person. And Lord, convict me 
that I need to reach out to others who need a helping hand, to partner with them, to have in common their burdens, their hardship. Lord, I pray that you would convict in all of our hearts that we are to be consistent, 24-7 thankful people. Thank you for the life that you give us. Thank you for the real practical life that comes from being a thankful person because it makes life worth living. It makes tomorrow worth looking forward to. And it gives us a history that we can look back on and just be so glad that we were a part of it. Lord, thanks so much for showing us these things today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Go with God and be a blessing and a thankful person in the time.